and welcome to Manga Explaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read much manga before. Hosted by Dabaoki, David Brothers, Chip Starsky, and myself, Christopher Butcher. You can follow along with our show notes and our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com. This week, I got to pick and therefore host, and my pick is a book that I have recommended to people in Chip's shoes a number of times. It is a book that I is a go-to book for me when I'm recommending books, when I'm recommending manga, specifically to people who don't read a lot of manga. And it is Oishinbo. Oishinbo, published by Viz Media, written uh, by Tetsuya Kuria and illustrated by Akira Hanasaki, translated in the Viz edition, which is what we're reading, by uh, Tetsuichiro uh, Miyaki and lettered by Kelly Han. This is a hell of a book. Oishinbo is a multi, multi, multi volume series in Japan following two rivals, a father and a son. Uh, the father is the asshole. The son is not an asshole ish as they work for rival newspapers ish as they work for rival newspapers to develop the ultimate food menu to celebrate the paper's respective anniversaries. The two basically tour through every aspect of both Japanese and international cuisine, um, food, drink, etc., etc., local and imported, as they seek to find the dishes that will go on to the ultimate menu to best represent cuisine. Japanese cuisine, it's kind of implied, <laughs> but cuisine in general, because there's, there's some foreign food in there every once in a while. It is... Honestly, it's a food manga. It's really about the food. It's about dis- it's a it's an episode of the week where you discover a new kind of food or a new food preparation every single week, and the vehicle for those stories is the father son rivalry, or you know the son getting into adventures and <laughs> picking fights with other food producers. <laughs> it's really interesting and has been running for something had been running for something like 30 plus years until they were a little too critical of how fukushima was handled in 2014 and canceled yeah look that up on the wikipedia folks the radiation effects on the vegetables after fukushima their their manga on that little controversial for people so it's on hiatus currently in japan since 2011 yeah, uh, 2014 actually. Wow. It was about. It was came out just during the time that people were they're going through the scare of about vegetables coming from Ibaraki Prefecture and Fukushima Prefecture and the different prefectures that were affected by the nuclear radiation. People have real strong opinions on that one. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. That's what that's where the, that's where Oceanbo is right now, or isn't rather, because it is not currently in production. But don't wow. worry, it left almost 200 volumes for us to enjoy. And that brings us to the North American release. 200-volume series, especially ones that are already out, especially ones that started in the, I think, 80s or late 70s, uh, uh, early early 80s, they don't get translated into English in North America. They're too long. The art style is dated in a lot of ways, and especially about something as, at one time, uh, niche interest as Japanese cuisine. Those kinds of books just generally don't get translated. Obviously, in 2021, 2020, we have a very different manga industry now. Things that would have been considered too niche, like shoujo manga, uh, once upon a time in North American manga, are now translated, and it's great. Everything's working out. But uh, yeah, we're living in different times. So when this book came out, rather than start at volume one and just go and translate everything, they decided to 
Viz uh, and the editor, uh, Layla Aker, who's a, a good friend, decided to choose stories from throughout the magazine's run, throughout the, the serialization of the comic strip, and collect them in themed collections around different aspects of Japanese cuisine. So volume one is just called Japanese cuisine, and it's sort of what Japanese cuisine is all about. Later volumes include volumes on sake and uh, shochu, volumes on ramen and gyoza, uh, volumes specifically on fish and sashimi, although this was a pretty fish and sashimi heavy one, volumes on rice, uh, because the rice is actually secretly the best part of sushi, and (laughs) volumes of vegetables. And finally, the last volume was izakayas, or pub food, and eating in pubs, uh, which izakaya had started to become popular in North America around that time, and are now pretty ubiquitous, not just in, (laughs) you know, San Francisco, where Viz is headquartered, but everywhere. Even Toronto has many in izakaya. It's fantastic. And they're fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, they're I've, pretty good. We I've, do, I've been we to do Chris Butcher birthday parties in Paris. <laughs> so this, this is accurate. I miss eating out, guys. Oh, mm. I know. That's the painful part about reading right, this. Yeah, I'll leave it. <laughs> it is. But uh, yeah, so that's Oishinbo. This first volume basically spans 20, I think, plus years of stories. At one point, the character that, you know, they start off as rivals, the the guy and the girl that are working together, then they become boyfriend and girlfriend, then they get married, then they have kids later on. What? Uh, that actually sort of, they get married in this, like, they're married in one of the stories in this volume, but luckily, things don't really change. They still work at the, at the newspaper together, but you see, don't notice. But yeah, there's more than 20 years of stories that have been sort of picked and chosen just to make up the first volume and to introduce this. So I think that's, it's very different than anything we've read so far. And it also has a lot to say. I noticed for the last, the last couple episodes, we kind of get to chip last on these, on ah. what he thinks about them. And I really just wanted to put him on the spot and ask him first and let him direct the conversation just a little bit today. So, Chip, what did you think of Oishinbo? Well, first of all, you put me last because it's like in the credits of Happy Days, they put Henry Winkler as the Fonz. <laughs> yeah. And I am the Fonz, obviously, of this. I will continue the conversation. <laughs> um, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Um, it, it's the first time where this isn't something in North American comics, and we, we've encountered it a few times now the episodic mm. um style of comic where each chapter mm-hmm. is just kind of its own story and there's not like in this there's not really much of a c- continuing narrative you could have mixed up these chapters except for the first one and been mm. fine and the fact that you know they've pulled as you said various chapters from across the the line for this makes a lot of sense to me this is the first time where maybe it's because i'm used to it maybe because they do it so well here it feels like a cozy blanket. <laughs> Interesting. Tell me more. Elaborate. Yeah. Like uh, I, I gave up expe- as, as soon as like as soon as I went from chapter two to chapter three, I recognize that that structure enough now to give up the expectation of advancement of the characters, mm. and and just appreciate it for what it is. They're, they're, mm. These are. Each chapter is a well-told story about a specific element of Japanese cuisine, and so I just I just got lost in it. And I thought each chapter was uh, was clever in, in in tackling the individual subject matters. Obviously, educational as well. Yeah, yeah. And I, I thought that the, the father-son rivalry was um, one quite funny. 
like <laughs> the the size of the dad with the white streaks like just this imposing figure and the son who coincidentally uh looks like the fawns <laughs> the, the the physical differences are are, are hilarious the fact mm-hmm. that they're kind of just so distinct and also they're basically the same like you can see that the father was the son at one point like they're both arrogant oh yeah and they're both assholes in their own way it's just that the father has been around long enough that he has fully settled into the asshole mode um <laughs> i i and I, I quite like that like I, I i found that dynamic and the fact that you didn't know necessarily like it wasn't like the sun came out on top every time mm-hmm. which i found mm-hmm. refreshing as well like the first couple i'm like okay that's how this is going to go and then there'll be a chapter where it's like oh actually you know you guys are similar in your wrongness or your rightness or he's actually right and the discussions of technique and art mm-hmm. in relation to cuisine kind of hit me in terms of you know actual uh uh, comic art and painting and the arts in general. Like, even if you're not a foodie, like this, this can be extrapolated to include all various forms of art and the way we view art and how it interacts with people. Like, like mm. I, I didn't really think of food as like, like food is an art form but it's such a direct art form like painting mm. is passive music movies are, there's there are passive elements to those whereas with mm-hmm. food there's no passivity because you are actually ingesting the art mm. which which kind of as i'm reading it um, maybe kind of appreciate cuisine more than i did before and my god it made me miss restaurants <laughs> I was like, so ready to order Japanese food takeout tonight because I was I was reading so much of Oishimbo today. I was like, oh well, it's so it's so remarkable that even just in this black and white line art form, like I'm still craving the cut of sashimi based on the drawings alone, and and the drawings they were so consistent. Like, like it may mm. not be my mm. favorite art in the world, but there are no shortcuts here. Like mm-hmm. the fact that it, as long a series as you say it is, is stunning to me. The fact that an artist would spend so long on these pages, like you can, you can <laughs> tell the amount of effort that goes in to each of these pages. And if that yeah. kind of continues through all million volumes, like I'm in awe and like there's something Besides Eric Larson or Dave Sim, who some would argue maybe both have lost their minds, <laughs> to have somebody that dedicated to a thing. Mm. But 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 I have the feeling the difference between like Eric Larson, Dave Sim, and their projects, and because this is a writer and an artist, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's also something interesting because I, I don't think I've seen we've seen that yet, have we? Uh... Oh, maybe not, huh? Yeah, actually, everything's been by cartoonists uh, so far. Like so little, the, little things here and there, yeah. The idea that they're both passionate about this to the degree that they this is what they wanted to do for 10 years, I, I, have, a, I have a sneaking suspicion that can't possibly be true, but they're just so dedicated <laughs> and they know that people like it, that there's like a, a like a obligation or a duty to keep producing the work. 
Mm. Yeah. Which kind of flies in the face of like the North American view of art, which is like, you know, unless you're just making money, you're there to make money. If you're not like really feeling it, then you leave it. But I feel there's, there's more dedication to manga. It helps that this is phenomenally successful in Japan, though. That helps. <laughs> like, there is some money coming in from the Oishinbo manga franchise. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's yeah, earning, it's, it's, like, it's, like earning it's, its printings. It's, you know, it's golden handcuffs, right? Like, it's yeah, it's that kind of thing. But I don't want to take up all the, the space on this. So, no, man, yeah. it's been eight minutes. You're good. That's uh, you're done for the episode. <laughs> wow. Deb, David. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Move on. To no, others. it's so great to hear you liked it. It's, it's yeah, yeah. That's it. you know, I I reread it and I wasn't sure about the balance between the food elements, which is why I recommend it, and the father son competing asshole elements. So I'm glad to hear that you glad yeah. to hear that it was it was still enjoyable for you. But there you are right. right. Let's let's go to let's go to Deb and David uh, first. I will say first I, that um, I definitely have things I didn't like about it or have nitpicks about, but we can save those for later. Fantastic, <laughs> <laughs> David. Let's 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 see. Let's get your take next. Had you read Oceanbo before? I feel like you uh, and Ship hadn't read it before. I think that I so I, apparently I owned the first volume from way back in the day <laughs> uh, in digital, and I don't think I finished it the first time. Mm. Like I tried it, and I think I knew about it, but this this is my first time reading it properly. Wow. I would say mm. I kind of agree with everything Chip said, except I didn't enjoy reading it. Oh. Does that make sense? Like everything he said is true. The uh, the yeah. quality of the drawing, the passion, all that stuff. There's a lot that I found really interesting, but it feels the same as when I tried to read the first volume of Excalibur, and the word balloons were too large, and it just like bogged down my reading experience like too much writing in them or? yeah this is the densest of the books yeah. too which i didn't realize going in so when i saw it, i'm like oh you know this volume's like 260 pages that should be easy enough and like yeah. an hour go- has gone by and i'm 20 pages in i'm like oh no <laughs> and it's all new information like it's a lot to uh yeah. a lot to process yeah i was trying to think of how to describe this it didn't make it sound like i hated it because i didn't like it i think it's really good it just isn't for me yeah. And it's really efficient at what it's doing, I think is the best word mm. for it. Mm. Uh, it convinces you why this food is good. It explains kind of the rationale behind the, uh, I guess, moral choice of how they choose to present food in Oishinbo. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, how it's got to be like the culture. It can't just be about the tools, that kind of thing. And I think it does a really marvelous job doing that. But it does it in such detail that I was always conscious that I was reading a, like, a comic. And like, I can never sink into mm. it. Do you think that you would have felt differently if the information had been presented as a more traditional, like as a not as as prose? I think I would have never read it if it was prose. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Same. This is like sort of the best case scenario hmm. where I get it. I think it does a really marvelous job explaining why this stuff is good. But I think even though I read several manga that are just like this for other types of things, like I don't know boxing and fighting things sure this is the one where i'm like oh this is why people don't read like shonen manga or something like that <laughs> so, okay. so oh. do you um do you bounce off of food manga in general or uh no there's quite a few well, i shouldn't say quite a few there's been three or four in memory that i've liked um hmm. but i think in this case it's such an explainer manga that i kept hmm. i couldn't turn off the part where i was like all right where's the character development because like i know that this yeah. is such a long-running series yeah there's no there's no character development in this. Yeah, and 111 volumes. That's pretty wild. Yeah. He just sort of 
but it's funny because I love like a hero who bets on the horses, like just that kind of down on his luck, like yeah. always making bad decisions type of person. <laughs> so there's a ton of ingredients that I like, but I think that it just wasn't quite my thing. He's. I find. I actually find the son charming, even in his assholishness, and in the way that yeah. the dad is not charming in his assholishness. So, yeah, that kind of like lovable loser that is at the core of this, who has, you know, it's it's very much a protagonist thing where he's a lovable loser and he can't really get anything going in different ways, but also he's literally like a three star Michelin chef that has never been recognized because of his just from growing upbringing. up with an abusive father, like that's yeah, wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's super good. But yeah, let's see what Deb has to say. Yeah. Well, obviously, this is something I re- it's kind of up my alley. It's like that perfect Venn diagram of food, manga, uh, learning about Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. you know, I obviously I grew up with Japanese food, right? I obviously grew up around this culture, but I learned so much from reading Oishimbo. I learned mm. so much that, you know, frankly, my, my parents and even my grandparents cooking was pretty home style. Let's put it this way. I didn't learn a lot of the the intricacies of Japanese cuisine culture. You know, like that 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 episode about telling how polite you are about how you use your chopsticks. It's like what? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nobody told me that. I have never heard that in my life. You know, and but the part about you know, like you you put the nori around the the rice just so. The noise yeah, stays crisp. Loose and... It's like, oh, well, that mm-hmm. makes tons of sense, you know. I remember being really excited when Oishimbo got picked up for publication by Viz because I had first read it in English through Manga Jin. Do you know that magazine? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. There was a, it was a sort. Was it like it had business comics in it as well? Right? Yeah, it was like a, it was a magazine that put uh, Japanese manga in English and Japanese as a way to learn Japanese. Okay, yeah, yeah. So they would, you know, and they also would feature some chapters of Oishimbo, uh, including that one about the American chef who goes to Japan and, you know, gets ice, makes, cuts the, cuts the daikon in the ribbon and learns how to make, you know, cut, you know, chop, chip the ice with his knife and stuff like that. Like I had read that story before in Manga Jin, before it showed up like this. Yeah, I've actually had a couple episodes or a couple issues of Mangajin. I uh, totally forgot about that until you just mentioned it. And I'm looking and they had a lot of they had a lot of manga that they would run like a chapter or two of. That's that's kind of cool. Did Kosakushima run yes, it? Yes, it did. <laughs> okay. So that's actually a good point of comparison. Mm. So Kosakushima, like the short version is that it's the story of one man's <laughs> career as a businessman mm-hmm. going from like worker to like section chief to president and beyond. Extremely boring, but extremely good and very much up my alley. And it's sort of the business logistics version of this, mm-hmm. uh, but it has a greater focus on character development, I think. Which well, it's just one dude for me. Yeah. And following his career, yeah. whereas this is the food is a star. But I love, I also love Kosakashima. I love, I have like six volumes of the bilingual edition behind me. It's so good. Uh, that would so, be a fun one to make Chip try and track down. And oh, read. God. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so Deb, I mean, you, you explained, you know, your kind of relation to this, but um, did you, how did you feel about this? Like, mm. what are your feelings on the book itself? The story in itself, I think it's, it's a formula, right? Like, it's a formula where mm-hmm. it's, you, you enter the first, the first chapter introduces the, the premise of the father versus the son and the idea of this newspaper 
and this competition. So it's kind of like drops of God in a way where it's like there's, there's yeah. this mm-hmm. archetype between the every, the, the guy who stands up for the every man and the guy who is super pretentious, right. Who's uh, mm-hmm. all about, I feel like this kind of came out during the, the boom, the bubble era of Japan. Yeah. I wanted to talk about that for sure. <laughs> What's the bubble era. You want to explain Chris? <laughs> uh, Japan had what was called a post-war economic miracle where after the after World War II it was in pretty dire straits and it rebuilt and it focused on developing sectors and technology and so that was all through that sort of happened it 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 started to really affect people's lives in a positive way in the 1970s and early 1980s when all of a sudden there was crazy amounts of money crazy amounts of wealth and that's actually sort of what's being referenced in the story where the american japanese american senator comes back to japan mm-hmm. and it's like we're going to throw you a lavish meal we're going to throw you whatever that so that it was but it was a bubble and it 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 exploded and japan still hasn't recovered from it frankly yeah it's actually oh. been technically japan's been in a depression since the end of the bubble uh, and it has i think maybe just last just the, the last year before covid hit it had actually just sort of like zeroed out which is was like a huge which is a huge thing mm. but but yeah the bubble was basically the average person had access to enormous unprecedented wealth and so things like the kinds of food international foods you know uh, french foods for example oh that's a, sorry that's the next volume things like that like really everything moved into japan at that time huge construction projects were 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 started and so a lot of the big public works projects that you see were started or at least conceived of in the bubble when there was money for things and yeah. it's obviously changed pretty dramatically uh, since then but yeah it's uh it runs all through yeah. this story where it's like we have infinite money now. Let's really look at what the best of what we have to offer as a society is. It's Japan coming into its own economically because it's culturally always been there, but especially this could be read as actually a very conservative manga mm-hmm. in a lot of ways because it really takes Japanese cuisine and ideas and puts it at the forefront mm-hmm. of the discussion mm-hmm. of like the discussion of food. Not that was just happening at the time, but also when this was published in, in North America, like this is coming out when people like uh, David Chang are making bigging roads for, for Asian cuisine with Momofuku and things like that. This is coming out. Uh, when food television really starts to take off, Bourdain's sort of just at his peak, just before he starts No Reservations, this is yeah. coming out. So this is like, there's a lot here. This was very enticing at the time because it was about Japanese cuisine and it would explain Japanese cuisine and philosophy to people that were hungry to listen to it. Obviously, it's a lot more of the part of the cultural fabric now. Some ways for better or for worse because it's not being thought about as being, you know, it, we take it for granted. And I think a lot of the you know, not to get too serious on the manga podcast, but the the Asian American hate incidents that are going on right now are, you know, there's a big reason that one of the big slogans that's tied to, you know, the campaigns fighting against that is love our people like you love mm-hmm. our food. And that's, that's real. Like Asian American cuisine, uh, Asian cuisine fusion, things like that uh, transformed the culinary world all through the like nineties and the two thousands. So yeah, I, there's a lot wrapped up in this in this book sometimes it's it's bizarrely nationalistic which makes me a little uncomfortable yeah, yeah you know like sure. there's a in the i think the rice volume there's a part where that that i find problematic <laughs> that's the part where he, mm. they're defending whaling oh yeah yeah mm, they, yeah, they yeah. get into whaling yeah. in the rice volume yeah 
and, and that's it, a whole the, thing. The point of view of the protagonist is just kind of like, well, you know, how dare these, how dare the rest of the world interfere with our enjoyment of whale meat, you know? How dare mm-hmm. the rest of the world? Or and then so there's a definite there's it's a it's kind of a reactionary manga in a lot of ways. It's kind of like like there's mm-hmm. this there's this there's this anger, this barely seething anger under the surface of I. They, I despise pretentious people who only like things just because they're expensive. I despise pretentious people mm-hmm. who insist on drinking wine with Japanese food when it's terrible. You know, I, I despise people who like will drink wine with caviar. Even even French won't do that. You know, like is there's a it's very similar drops of God in that it makes this stance of pretentious people go go f yourself, right? <laughs> yeah. So my, uh, I have a question. Then, so if the kind of nationalism throughout the series is this kind of like you know, kind of Japan first, like you know, don't don't tread on us, whatever. There's, um, a, there's a fair amount of that. The, the reason for its hiatus or cancellation, the Fukushima stuff, is that like I thought. I'm, I'm assuming it was like that the government wasn't doing proper things to. Unfortunately, contain, I haven't read that, contain that chapter. So yeah. I just, I just don't know. Is it like not pro Fukushima or anti Fukushima? Is it, is it pro government or anti government? The I reason it, got it was canceled? probably too yeah. direct. Okay, just the direct. There are certain okay. things that really aren't. Yeah. Um, like one of the manga that's out, it's, and it's completely not even related to Oishimbo. But if you want to talk about Fukushima, there's a, a manga called Ichi F, which is published by Kodansha, mm. which is a one volume manga about a manga artist who is out of work and he goes to work as at Fukushima as part of the Fukushima cleanup effort. So it's basically this autobiographical mm. first person narrative of what he saw in Fukushima. That's on the Kodansha website, right? Yeah. And it's it's interesting too because the nationalist part, which obviously is problematic, does have it's not it doesn't go to the immediate place you would think of when you think about nationalism. There's the there's an essay. In a, <laughs> speaking of a, being a dense manga, there's like a yeah. four page essay in the middle of this volume. And the last and the the author has moved to Australia uh, by this point in the by, by this point in when he's writing this essay. So he's not necessarily a hundred percent Japan first, Japan only. Like it takes a it takes a pretty unique person to leave Japan and move to a different country. It's not something that happens very often. Yeah. And the last, the last paragraph is, so one day looking around my dining table at several, several Australians enjoying a meal at my house, I realized that what we were all eating wasn't Japanese food or Japanese cuisine, but it was washoku, a cuisine that brings people together in harmony and gives them pleasure. Here in my house in Sydney, I eat washoku every day. And washoku is generally the Japanese word that's used to describe Japanese food <laughs> within Japan. Uh, wa is one of the readings, like wa is a, is a way to describe Japan, but it also can be used as is, is harmony. Uh, wa is something like harmony. Like in One Piece, right? The, 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 the Japanese country they go to called wa, wa no kuni. Wa mm. no is a possessive kuni, so mm. land of harmony, which is a, which is a synonym mm. for Japan. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and that's one of the neat things about kanji. That mm. You can read it so many different ways and using the different kanji and different things. But, but yeah, I think even like it handles the, I was, I forgot, like it does have the problems of, of Japanese comics, the caricature of the American uh, dude in the Japanese restaurant in this volume 
his schnoz was magnificent uh, in that caricature. But then you go through and look at the other caricatures of the, the Japanese people in the manga, and you're like, oh, this is right in line. Like, this is an artist who approaches the world through through caricature. Like the guy with the big with the big buck teeth. Yeah, yeah, and that's and but he's in like I don't know every other he's volume. He's a manager ostensibly. Yeah, yeah, and so I think there's a context for this for this manga that it exists within that isn't even just Japanese society. Like it's this manga. It's, it's, it is a work of fiction at the end, even if it involves real cuisine and occasionally real restaurants. When we were in um, Nakano, where Nakano Broadway is, Chip, remember I took that photo of you in the, in the street and that sort of alleyway thing right around the corner, basically from, Oh, where there were the rock star photos. I took of you and Aki and uh, Jim Mahfood in that weird mm-hmm. abandoned hotel, just around the corner from there, there's an ah. eel restaurant that has, a blown up page from the Oishinbo manga that they're in. So you can eat at the same eel restaurant that was in Oishinbo. That eel story is in the Izakaiwa. And that's so cool. There you go. So if you're ever in Japan again, if any of us can ever get there, or if you're listening to us from Japan, go to the eel restaurant in Nakano. You can be in an eel restaurant that was in a manga. And that's pretty cool. Speaking on like kind of the nationalism slash pride front, the story where the guy's daughter's like, I hate chopsticks. I went to school in France mm. and people teased me. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like one that could have tipped very kind of like Japan first, but ended up being sort of like everywhere has something good. So like learn to appreciate what's, you know, proper and beautiful about everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm more at. Like it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't stop saying these things that we have in Japan are good, but I don't think even in the ramen, even in the ramen one, it doesn't go, the things we have are better. Yep. Like the ramen volume really takes pains to point out that ramen is based on, is Chinese mm-hmm. and comes from China and that gyoza are Chinese and come from China and these are Chinese ingredients. And like the kicker of one of those stories is you screwed up because you used Japanese ingredients to make this dish when it's obviously coming from China. You should have used the Chinese versions of the ingredients, which taste different and are more harmonious with the food. So it was very, I find it, yeah, again, I feel like the context of the manga is like not even Japan first necessarily, but food, food first. first. Yeah, Everything yeah. has to be at like, like the center of respecting the food and the culture around it. And I think that that's mm-hmm. also something that if, especially if you're going to go to Japan for the first time, if you're going to travel. That's something you want to see. Like you want to read this before you go so that you can be like, yeah, these these guys are doing some great stuff. I can't wait to get in on that. That's kind of like the vibe I feel. Yeah, I like the... The, the chopsticks chapter, uh, I especially enjoyed, especially like when they were talking about civilized versus uncivilized and how mm. it's so contextual depending on where you are. Like when mm-hmm. they started to describe, well, do you think a fork? you think stabbing your food <laughs> and shoveling it into your face is civilized? Like it, it's, it depends on where you're from and to, to cast that judgment is wrong. Mm. Mm. And it wasn't, it wasn't to say that the Japanese way was the best way. It's just that this is the way here and there's a there's a civility to this mm-hmm. that maybe yeah. you're, maybe you're missing i like that it was a french lady that delivered that lesson ah, uh, mm-hmm. that felt like very like the author saying something directly to the camera mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah i like i also like we were talking about the 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 drawings of uh, of everyone before and i like how the the french lady had this weird like <laughs> line around to indicate she's got like this big chin but they didn't know how to draw <laughs> a big chin so you just add this like it said it it, it just really stood oh, out yeah, to me in little, the drawings yeah. like it's like yeah that weird little curve that like no other character has and 
the artist is like, I guess, yeah, white lady, just give her this thing. That'll people will know that means white. <laughs> that I guess. is odd, isn't it? <laughs> <Close enough. laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I find it refreshing that the the chapter five where he, uh, Shiro didn't win. Yeah. Because it kind of his father kind of like it, he pointed out that he felt he fell victim to the idea that if you just get good ingredients, you're going to make better food. Mm-hmm. And it's so yeah. it's kind of interesting because it gave me a glimpse of like, oh, there's something there's something in, there's an interesting thing to their relationship where the father's trying to teach him something. Or has he does still have things to teach to his son, but they're just too stubborn to realize mm-hmm. that of each other. Like they have things they can learn from each other, but they just won't. Yeah. Yeah, it's the way my father taught me. You're stupid. Do it like this, stupid. <laughs> That's how uh, I became the man I am today. Still the best way to master Photoshop, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? And a lot better, a lot quicker. <laughs> I actually found the father kind of unforgivable when he talks about like bullying his mom to death though and that became a problem for me reading this it was like this is a rivalry except one of these people is maybe a murderer (laughs) like (laughs) yeah i mean i i didn't read that as being a a literal thing like because shiro is a flawed narrator as well like of Mm. course he saw the situation as being like that so i didn't i didn't take that as being that's actually what happened but that the truth is kind of somewhere in between and that's, hmm. Yeah, we never actually yeah, see it ha- happening at the time. I, don't, I think that's yeah. maybe a, kind of a pity about this, the books being arranged the way they are, is that we never really know the yeah. story, the, the, the human story that weaves the whole thing together. We, mm-hmm. I mean, like yeah. you see like little, they'll give you, tell you in a foot like, like, oh, you know, this character here, she, she's at, by the time you get to this chapter, she's actually married. It's like, oh, you know, and, yeah. and it's like, and that's incidental. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh, and she's uh, talking about eating for two right? because she's pregnant here. It's like, what, what? <laughs> yeah, the eating yeah. for two. I'm like, what? What are they following <laughs> up on that? I did, I did find that the female characters were not really developed at mm-hmm. all, like or treated well, or or, or treated yeah, well. Yeah, the make the make like, tea thing. <sighs> yeah, yeah, that that that's an issue in this. Uh, it was how I figured out it was set made during the 80s. Actually. Yes. Yes. Well, <laughs> the 90s also, and then yeah. today it's. But not there's something that about this uncommon. like specific flavor of yeah, like yeah. women are here to help out the dudes in the office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're gonna sit and talk about how great their day is for a while. Or That's whatever. what really makes this a seinen manga, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like at one point, does he yell at her and call her a chatty woman or something? Yeah. yeah. That that translation was rough because there was a lot of ways to go other than chatty women. Yeah, yeah that was uh, weird. <laughs> that's the one in like, that's the episode in which the ladies win and Shiro is made to look like a dumbass. And mm-hmm. so like the last sentence is chatty women. <laughs> Angry. <laughs> it's pretty yeah, good. The, the, yeah. I, I, I picked out one section where she's serving tea to the visiting guy in the office and he goes, thank you. It's great to be back in Japan and have cute girls on staff serving me tea. And like, if it was a modern story, the next panel would be her losing it or like something, yeah. but the next walking straight to like, HR. <laughs> yeah, it's, her just kind of, it's her just kind of laughing, just laughing. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's definitely the weird kind of speed bumps that kind of pull you out of the story. 
it's wild because so these are translated from a 26 volume best of yeah, series. Chris, so, Chris, do you yeah. know the yeah. story? Which is a ludicrous number. How did they pick the stories? Uh, the I don't know if this is telling tales at a school. So, Layla, if you're listening, I apologize. From what I hear, Layla and then and then editor in chief Alvin Liu, who's now uh, editor in chief or publisher, I think at Kodansha, uh, just sat down one day and read all 27 volumes of the best of and just like put post-its on the stories that they're like, this will, this, this is good. This could go in, this could go in ramen. Let's do this one. And they oh, just I read all 27 started as like themes in Japan. No, no, this, this edition, this is so rare. This is what I was kind of getting at in the intro. This seven volume edition of Oishinbo does not exist in Japan. And it is so rare, like next to impossible for something like that to happen. So this is based on a 27 volume best of of the 111 27 volume best of by the way of the 111 uh, volumes of of Oishinbo that are there. And yeah, they just went through and picked stories. I think Alvin Lila and maybe a couple other folks. And there's uh, no and there's no numbers that they on the would, volumes. Would work either. for this audience. It's not Yeah, right. they are technically numbered in the indicia, but there are no numbers. So we actually sorry, I wanted to ask did everyone read Japanese cuisine, uh, which is technically the first volume? Yeah. Yeah. I read sake and, and izakaya. No one jumped ahead? Because I actually, I'd read them all, obviously, before, but I jumped ahead and read ramen because uh. I know a lot more about ramen. Uh, yeah, sake and izakaya, I would I would love to reread izakaya now. But yeah, it's it's the kind of thing where you don't have to start at Japanese cuisine if you don't want if you don't want to bounce off it kind of like david did where it's like mm-hmm. oh what's the aspect of japanese food that i'm the most interested in i'll tell you when i was working at the beguiling ramen was the best seller izakaya was the second best seller mm-hmm. japanese cuisine was third and <laughs> no one wanted so to weird. read the one about vegetables like the, uh, fir- the first story in japanese cuisine sets up the characters mm-hmm. so well and their dynamic that yeah, I, find but- it, I find it hard to I you mean, can explain I guess that in two sentences in the yeah. first in, in the beginning of every volume. You're good to go. There's not a lot of complex character stuff here. True, but the fact that yeah. Shiro destroyed all of his father's like uh, pottery, porcelain, yeah. it doesn't come up. Whatever. Don't worry about yeah. it. They just hate each other, and that's all you need to know <laughs> yeah. for this part of the story to work. And I think that's really interesting for a storytelling convention. We don't have a lot of stuff like it's like a sitcom. You could just pick up and watch. Well, sorry, ten years ago, you could just pick up and watch any episode of a sitcom. Now things have arcs, things have seasons. Well, like Seinfeld or something. They have moved to a more of a serialized. Yeah, like yeah. just start watching Seinfeld. Literally, every episode introduces everything you need to know about all the characters. You don't need to know all of their history. Yeah. The second that you know Jerry, you know bumps into Newman in the hall, goes Newman. You know that they don't like each other and they have a rivalry. <laughs> you don't need like you don't need to know. It's because like. Oh my God, all the crazy shit that happened between Jerry and Newman. But beyond that, uh, like, it's a different kind of storytelling. And it maybe is a holdover. This, this manga is definitely a holdover in a lot of ways of a different time, but like, that might be as well. Things yeah. have seasons now. The other food manga that we're reading or that I've read, like Food Wars, uh, Shingeki no Soma. Drops or, of God, even. I don't know. Drops of God. They, they do have larger arcs and character development, and you want to read, you know, through through different kinds of battles different kinds of scenes and things like that i like the idea of something you could just pick up and read at any volume because you're interested in the subject and it's manga yeah i mean i that that was my kind of initial point the the comfort of each chapter just being its own thing Hmm. yeah and 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 dense too like i think if each chapter was its own thing and as kind of loose as some of the uh the previous manga i probably wouldn't feel the same way but they feel very much like full stories 
Yeah, there's a beginning, middle, and end in every one of these chapters in the first volume. Uh, Rama actually, or Rama, <laughs> Raman has two three-part stories in it. The, there's, a, there's one about a cold noodle dish that's three parts, and then there's one about gyoza that's also three parts. And that's actually interesting because even within those, those, those three, those, each, each part has an arc as well as the grand arc of all three. So it's not that, it's really clear this is a deliberate artistic choice that the yeah. uh, the writers is pretty, like to be able to fit this much into 22 pages or 24 pages, whatever it is, of a chapter, and then to be able to go longer when he needs to go longer, I think is also really interesting. Also, I, um, because this is the first one that we've read that has a, a writer and an artist, I think that also plays into the fact that there's uh, so many words on the page. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Do you run into that chip? Yeah, yeah. The, the uh, one of the things I bounced off of too was just the fact that, and and I, I, I honestly I can't tell if it's just because it's like, if it's a cultural thing or if it's just the translation thing. But everything still reads to me for children, because mm, the way that, that they, because the like the dialogue is always like, ah, he did this because of this, and then someone will respond, of course, because if by doing this, this means this. Like it's everything is so spelled out, mm-hmm. uh, especially throughout these stories. I'm 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 used to it, but I always want to go through and just and edit these. <laughs> and, cut, and cut them down and make them feel a bit more conversational in places instead of mm-hmm. just kind of like statement, 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 statement. Well, maybe, here's that's a question. If that's in the Japanese, though, modern... if that's in the original Japanese, though, and you're editing it to make it more conversational and less truer to the original, well, that's, the original that's work, my, that's, are you that's changing the, the intent of the work? That's that's the thing. That's what I, I keep wondering, like whether or not this is if this is reflective of the way. Like if the original version is reflective of the conversational style in Japan that I'm not familiar with, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and and I don't I don't know. It's, it's something that obviously I'm just kind of getting used to as I as I read it. But it this was the first time where I stopped and I, I wondered like, what is a Japanese novel? Like I I don't I don't uh, almost all the novels I read are North American or you know. European translations of things. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't, I've never read a, a, a novel, like a classic Japanese novel. I don't know what a classic Japanese novel is. And I'm just wondering if, 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 if that would read the same as this, like if that would That's unlock a, a thing for me, I, I don't know. Like, have, have you all read, like, are you able to not read comics for a change, man, and read <laughs> Japanese novels? Yeah, I read one last. I read one uh, technically this year. Like a classic and, one. Like what's like? No, uh, convenient. Uh, or it's called Convenience Store Woman. It's a contemporary Japanese novel. It's really good. It's about a woman who can't relate to anything and goes to, and works in a convenience store, and as she hits, I think her like late 30s or like mid 30s everyone starts pressuring her in her life like you can't work in a convenience store forever you're supposed to get married you're supposed to have a husband it's about the pressures placed on women but it's like made very extreme and she is like she moves through the world like an alien almost like unable to relate to anything it's really really good i won't spoil it any further than that but yeah convenience store woman if you find it but yeah i think so does it did hmm. so did that for you like did that read differently than um, a standard English novel that you've read? Yes, both in terms of the tone and 
in terms of well here's the thing japanese like is, is something like this reflective a, of that and vice versa that's what i'm wondering i will say that oishinbo is not unlike japanese conversations i've had yeah. Uh, both in English with English speakers or bilingual uh, speakers, as well as with my limited Japanese. Mm-hmm. Japanese language is just is structured very differently. And so translating yeah. it provides tremendous challenges. Treme- uh, David, you're the editor. Why am I talking about this? Yeah. David, you, <laughs> must get, you must get translations back where you have to like push and pull and try to make things make sense in a different way. Um, sometimes, but that's more of a finessing thing than a fundamental thing okay. uh, like generally when you're working with a translator someone who's been vetted like they have you know however many hundreds of pages under their belt so they're not going to turn in something that's like crap <laughs> basically yeah. but i think like i've never read a japanese classic but i found like a, a few modern japanese novels they use the passive voice a lot more often so there is like a difference in that mm-hmm. between like japanese and north american texts but this, it just reads like explainer manga to me, like very direct. It is explainer manga. <laughs> like there's always like two or three characters per chapter who are there just to be like, oh, see, Bream does this, this, and this. And then yeah. like, they don't say anything else, you know? Mm. Yeah. Well, that, that happens in Haikyuu, for example. Like there's yeah. always a character in the stands that explains the strategy of volleyball. It's always in sports manga. It's yeah. in a lot of action manga. It's just mm-hmm. the way these stories are structured, I think. Yeah, and it's just, it feels so, um, there's such a weird stilted quality to it, or maybe not stilted, but just non-conversational. Like, I'm just looking at, uh, I'm just looking at a random page here in the Chopsticks chapter when the French woman mm-hmm. ex- explains to uh, Etsuko about Chopsticks, and she, she goes, what do you find so uncivilized about two simple sticks with so much variety and exquisite beauty? Like, <laughs> who would ever say that phrase? Yeah. Yeah, especially a French yeah. person that would be four sentences. Uh, like, what do you find so uncivilized? Such exquisite beauty, so many kinds, like, like blah, 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 right? Like, yeah. yeah, it's not a naturalistic way of talking, but it's definitely a translation choice there. And that's how it would have been written in Japanese, for sure. Like, it would yeah. have been one sentence, but it probably wouldn't have had any pronouns or, like, you know, like, it's just, it's a different language. And yeah. novels in particular, we should get, we should have a special, ep- we should have a very special episode uh, where we get a translator on to talk about this or two, but because quite frankly, translating a novel two translators, translating the same novel, you're going to get two different works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Japanese can't it's, it's not, it's like translating from one romance language to another romance language, like English to French does present its challenges, but it's very, very, very different than translating to something with a completely different, you know, linguistic syntax and history and grammar and all that kind of stuff so you're really trying to you're not translating what the author is saying because that's when you get google translate gobbledygook Mm -hmm. you're trying to translate what the author means yeah and it's a different kind of translation and yeah man like (laughs) you're for you to for you to ask is this what it would sound like in japanese it's like the, if the translation was worse somehow, like if it was even more stilted and even more awkward, then it would be closer to what it sounds like with a direct yeah. translation from Japanese to English. Instead, yeah. I think they're trying, this is actually really close to the Japanese. Like it reads like it's really close, mm-hmm. but transliteration is almost unreadable. Like that, just like the straight up. That's why Tokyo pop used to get, you know, like people who translated 
people who translated stereo instructions or whatever, and then hire North American writers to rewrite it to sound conversational. And my God, I can't wait for you to read Paradise Kiss in a couple of weeks because there's two different translations that read very differently. Uh, oh, gonna, do they? I was going to yeah. say, this, this feels probably more kind of formal, stilted, whatever. I'm, I'm still not sold yeah. on what, what word to describe it because it also has the explainer element to it. Yeah. Because mm. I'm looking at the I'm looking at a page now. That's from the chapter. And I like the chapter. It was about the tea tea ceremony and the strawberries. Yeah. But you know, yeah, had it had you know a, a really good lesson at the end of it. But there's a page where it's just like so much dialogue from Shiro after, you know, being at the strawberry farm and talking about the strawberry and how the tea ceremony, you know, why <laughs> he's basically telling you the whole lesson. Yeah, yeah. And then, the, and then the 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 one woman who I guess is his wife now, she goes, "I understand now. If you pour milk and sugar on the strawberry, you'll never know what it really tastes like." Like, yeah, duh. That's basically what he said. I didn't need to know that. But then the another woman goes, "It's only killing the real flavor of the strawberry." I'm like, "Why? Well, really didn't need that part." <laughs> and then the third woman goes, "And that's why Riku became angry when the watermelon had sugar on it." Like. That's there's so much there. I'm just like I don't need any of that. Like speaking, like, you you <laughs> as a all, white guy, <laughs> you've all said the same thing. That's the most Japanese thing, though. Like that kind of consensus discussion where the repetition like everyone, of it. Yeah, that's wow. that's like a Japanese conversation. Like people yeah. join in and confirm what the other person said, and yeah, it's just culturally, it's a it's it's cultural. It's it reads accurately to me, and there's a reason yeah. it's there. Yeah, so that's weird. So yeah, it's it's the, it's that discussion of like, okay, so it's accurate to the original text, but is it does it is it good? Oh, and yeah. here we get to the heart of manga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's tricky. Part. Yeah, it's tricky. But I think one thing that sort of doubles down on what Chip is saying is because it's such an explainer book. Hmm. This is from 1983. I doubt you could just go out and be like, hey, what's the flavor of the salt water in this bay and how does that affect the fish in it? Like, you were meant to learn from it. <laughs> Absolutely. So cram as many things as possible into the book. Well, nowadays, like, we have the internet. Like, several chapters in this book could just be like a really good Twitter thread, you know? <laughs> and be just as informative, maybe like slightly less entertaining. Uh, but I think, especially like for the 80s, like this was trying to teach a lesson so hard they had to keep being like, here's how you should feel. Here's how, here's the wrong way to feel. Like, don't worry about, you know, the techniques. Don't yeah. worry about the tools. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a chorus of people to be like, yes, that is the right way to do things. Just yeah. to like hammer the point home. But as a result, like, it's a very blunt book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, yeah, yeah, it's it definitely true. Is. I, I, but I find the value of what it sometimes it teaches to be very like super memorable. I mean, the combination mm-hmm. of the words, the, the story, and the the information it's giving me. Like I remember, like I used to hate sake. Mm. Let's put it like I used to think how sake tasted terrible. Just weird because yeah. you love sake now. <laughs> <laughs> and then th- thanks to the Oishimbo sake volume, I found out there's a reason why it tastes terrible. Mm. Mm. That yeah. it's um, a lot of sake has alcohol, additional alcohol added to it mm. to make it cheaper and you know last longer. Mm. And the sake has like a is like a live thing mm. made from live culture, so it needs to stay refrigerated mm. or cool mm-hmm. or kept away from light. And a lot of places that sell sake don't do that. So when I w- went to Japan and had went to real sake, just you know 
breweries and had fresh sake. It's like, wow, it is revelatory. It's like, yeah, this is as good as great wine. Yeah. Deb took me to Hoshi, uh, Hoshino, no, uh, the Owl Brewery. I can't remember the name. Oh, Higashino. He, uh, thank you. Uh, no, Hitachino. Hitachino. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, we went to the Hitachino Brewery together and they brew beer and sake. And I had, that was my first, and it came really late because I had been going to Japan for a long time since, up to that point. That was my first real Oishinbo experience. It was like, <laughs> was it really? We're having the beer and the sake that are made in the fields just five minutes from where we're sitting. And we're being served a dish of like local vegetables that are like in season right now. And we got this part of it from this part of the country. And you're like having a meal and it's being explained to you. And it's just like, oh my God, it tastes so good it's so yeah. good beer obviously is I, I really like the beer although i haven't had it in a year and a half now because i'm not in japan it's good but i, I will say we've all been to japan we've all been to japan together uh mm-hmm. multiple like and we've all been multiple times now i think i think that this i think that's really interesting because the first time i read oishinbo i'd been to japan but i had no cultural context for anything described in the first the first volume. I mean, we've been going to the Ezekai in Toronto, which was called Gyu and is now called Kinka. But a lot of this, like everything in here was new. Everything that I learned was new. I had never tasted sea bream. And so I had read it and then went back to Japan again in 2000, just after I read it. And it was like, it, it opens your eyes in a, in a certain way, like being in Japan and, yeah. and having experienced this, you get so much more context from it because yeah, I think it did the first time it was overwhelming with the density of it. And I would worry about that for people that aren't super on board with like wanting to know more about Japanese culture and Japanese cuisine. And I think mm-hmm. seeing how both Chip and David reacted differently to this book, reading it the first time, I think it's really interesting. So it's, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm starting to slide more towards David. You have to make you talk first all the time because it's really interesting <laughs> to hear your take on it before you, you get influenced by us. Yeah. I mean, obviously because I haven't read the rest of the chapters and the, encroaching nationalism mm-hmm. <laughs> now, now i look like the creep no no no, no. It's but just uh, interesting. I, I, i'm interested to know like so david mm-hmm. even though this isn't your favorite book mm-hmm. are you interested in reading more i want to check out the rice volume actually. yeah before you go back to japan like j- mm-hmm. just from a purely like educational about the food to appreciate the food more yeah so i have this theory that any culture that mixes like rice and meat has it figured out like they, they're going places because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's one of the best dishes it's one of the most simple dishes it's all over the world 100%. um and i've never actually sort of read up on the japanese approach to rice yeah uh and it's a huge part of the culture like the farming um for a very long time outside of like a what's the best sticky rice i can get at a restaurant kind of context which is like more consumption and not really learning, you know? Yeah. So I think now that I know what this series is like, I wouldn't pick it up just to like chill on a Saturday morning with it. Yeah. But I would <laughs> grab it if I was like, oh, I'm like really curious about how this works in this culture now. So this yeah. is a good place to find that info. Yeah, for sure. The The rice chapter in, in this volume, uh, I was reading it in bed and I, I, I stopped afterwards and I just started to tell my wife about it. Like, 
I can't yeah. believe I'm reading this, but I just read like this great manga chapter on rice, and I just started describing it to her, and her eyes is like glazed over, like what are you doing with your life? And I'm like, no, no but you have me. not, you have not had that moment where the clouds part and the sun comes down. It's like this is the best rice I've ever eaten. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. they talked about cooking the rice evenly by removing like the inferior yeah. rice grains, I was like, oh. come on. No, it's but, real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have actually an interesting counterpoint to Oishimbo that kind of does the same thing. Mm. Stan Sakai is a Japanese American comics artist mm. and his series Usagi Yojimbo occasionally does like teachable issues. Mm. Yeah. Okay. He's done like a tea ceremony when he did one about soy sauce. Yes, that was a great one. Oh, really? Uh, I had to look this up during the podcast, but it's in volume 29 of Usagi Yojimbo, another long running classic series. The single issue is 144. And it manages to teach a lot, but also wrap an adventure story into it. There's like a murder mystery, but a lot of facts at the same time. And I think mm. that kind of, that's what I would read on like a casual day. Yeah. Well, this is what I would go to as like a reference. This, this, this brings up a, a bigger question I have then. Like, do, do you consider um, Yosaki Yojimbo manga? Uh, no, but it's an ongoing argument in the scene. Yeah. Mm. Like, I feel like for something to be manga, it's got to come through the Japanese production system. Okay. You know? Okay. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to cover it. Stan grew up in Hawaii and he grew up with, um, I guess, with a lot of uh, Western influences in his comics. It's it's just the content Mm -hmm. of his comics is Japanese. A lot of it's based on this kind of samurai movies and samurai TV shows that he watched as a kid and still enjoys. But I remember hearing, like, you know, like a lot of Western comics are being licensed in Japan. And I asked Dan about this, like, you know, like, what about, what about Osaki Ojim? And he goes, they're not interested. (laughs) (laughs) They they got this shit already. I mean, he didn't say that. Stan is so polite and genteel and classy. I'm just paraphrasing. (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny because it stands out here because like, oh man, a rabbit samurai. Yeah. But I just finished reading a series called uh, Neko Gahara, which reimagines the entire world of feudal Japan as feral cats who run away from their humans. Awesome. <laughs> Less the, unique. There's cat shit one, yeah. right? Yeah, which is Vietnam War and cats. Um, but Usagi, I would say it's not manga because he's working in an American tradition and American idiom. Mm-hmm. Even though, maybe ironically, and this does not help my point, his pacing is very manga. Yeah. I think that having like a 150 issue series and that like the worst it gets is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like that's pretty impressive. And yeah, I think yeah. it's a lot of it's down to his pacing and approach. That's One thing I'll say about Usagi Yojimbo is that when I've talked to librarians, they'll say that Usagi Yojimbo is probably the most stolen comic graphic novel in their collection. <laughs> like, they they, they have to keep replacing it because <laughs> yeah. people love it and keep it. It's a badge mm. of honor. Yeah. So there's ways to do explainer comics like this, I think, that are more engaging and interesting, but it's also kind of what's the primary story you're telling. Yeah. So like Sakai's telling a story about a rabbit with a sword, while um, this creative team is telling a story about like, hey, take pride in your food because like we worked really hard to get here. And this is like the face we're showing to the world yeah. kind of a thing. I do, fi- I, I do find like Oishimbo more entertaining than similar manga a lot that are for the same audience, like there's a one called Shota's Knife. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's a bunch of this manga that's available on Comixology and other digital things. That's just digital, but it's all kind of aimed at appreciating food. Mm-hmm. And this, at least, Oishimbo has like an, a little bit of a like these this character narrative. Yeah, 
that is much more like no one's I, I mean they're they're funny and they bounce off each other whereas I think what there's a little bit of a flatness to the other similar comics I've read where mm-hmm. the, the characters all seem uniformly virtuous or uniformly <laughs> bland and then the food <laughs> is the star yeah yeah I would be curious to know when those were produced versus when this one was produced. Because mm. I wonder if it's like a difference in approach based on the era. Hmm. Yeah, this this starting when it did is is a big deal, mm-hmm. starting in the 80s, I think. Because this was running in Big Comic Spirits, which is uh, where Tech on Kingcrete ran, for example. And uh, I think something oh. else we either read. Oh, some of uh, Rumiko Takahashi's work also ran in Spirits. I'm picturing Tech on Kingcrete next to this in the magazine. It's just so weird. <laughs> They would have run at the same time. And yeah, uh, wow. yeah it's kind of crazy. But yeah, you're, you're reading this on the train, right? You're almost certainly a, a salary man, like a businessman. It's the 1980s. You've got more money than you know what to do with. And it's like, oh, I should learn about whatever. Like I should learn about the cool restaurant or the cool night of food. And it, you know, this magazine, this, this manga would like start trends and things like that. It would often, mm-hmm. most, most often cover trends or respond to trends. But like, yeah, it, like its circulation was probably in the hundreds of thousands at that point. And Spirits was was like the big seinen manga from from Shogakukan at the time, but like yeah. even then it didn't compare to the million plus or six million plus I think or whatever Jump was at at the time. Like this is this was running in the same magazine as Tech on Kingcrete at the same time as like Shonen Jump was Fist of the North Star, the ultra violent head explodey <laughs> manga. You know what I mean? Like that was Jump, and now Jump is Naruto, and now Jump isn't even Naruto. It's like, well, anyway, we'll get to it eventually. But I'm sure. Yeah. We'll, yeah. Aren't we going to get to that next though? Is yeah, Naruto's coming uh, out. Naruto's right? a couple weeks away. Yeah, mm. crazy. <laughs> I did want to say we actually talked about how what the font when we we were talking about it. It could be a manga that would come out in like a uh, it could be a design store. It could be the MoMA store or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oishin Mo is one of those manga that gets ordered and stocked in like like Deb was saying. There was a cookbook store in Toronto. You know, rip uh, all retail. But uh, it was a cookbook store in Toronto that had a full set. There was a knife shop across from the Beguiling that had a full set. And this is the kind of thing that you'll see. Um, oh, when there's like a display of English language manga when you're in Japan at like an airport or a train station or something, where it's like, oh, we get a lot of foreigners through here. We have some manga that you might be able to read in your language. Oishinbo is always one of those books. Yeah, it yeah, often yeah, even right. gets racked in with travel guides mm-hmm. and like cultural guides, other than manga, or rather than rather than the manga area too. Yeah, so, you've mentioned this before that it has a long tail. I mean, don't you think it's, oh, a, little, yeah, it's a bit it's, of a shame that there's not more? I was really shocked that they only did the first seven and didn't do seven more. I am actually really surprised at that because of, and I, you know, it might've been the fact that, you know, it went on hiatus in Japan or the, the stuff that happened in 2014 where it's not being serialized anymore. So maybe it's being swept under the lugger a little, although I have seen new editions of Oishindo in Japan, like it is getting printed, but I will say that like seven more volumes of, of stories explaining different kinds of Japanese cuisine. Like I want to see, there's more to say about ramen first and foremost, but they didn't cover the the Japanese noodles. Udon and soba are, are Japanese noodles, whereas mm-hmm. ramen is uh, imported from China. That would be a cool volume. Curry. Uh, tonkatsu. Uh, curry. Japanese curry would be a cool, cool one. Or like a fried pork cutlet or mm. one on foreign cuisine and, the, and its role and how it like how it landed in Japan and how it is regarded in Japan. Japanese I would bread. read the hell out of that. Oh, I Japanese think those are more bread. niche is the trouble. Oh, like the seven that were chosen are pretty. They're pretty broad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I would say even Udon necessarily wasn't really a household name in two thousand nine. That's true. We only recently got it. it Maru- 
got a Marugami <laughs> yeah, udon really recently here. And that's the, yeah. that's oh, cool. the first really good udon restaurant, I, other than going to Japantown. If, if, mm. I mean, if, if the series is as popular as you say it is, like that affords them the opportunity to go more niche with like mm-hmm. with volumes that follow it. There's there's always the thing of like what are the actual foreign deals on these? Like, do they just have this unlimited license to just like pick and choose and make mm-hmm. a volume eight or nine or ten, or do they yeah. have to re up that? Like, yeah, it would be complicated but i think worth it i think mm-hmm. it's uh, well sorry it's it would be complicated or you could just print more my my hero academia and sell a hundred thousand copies of volume <laughs> so uh, i don't know there's i could there's say like miso short shoyu tail. and shichimi oh miso yeah yeah oh miso or japanese oh. sweets or uh, like japanese desserts i don't know about y'all i'm, I'm getting hungry <laughs> well that's like so yeah. i mean we all went to japan together i had a lovely time uh, when I came back, I had no desire to go back to Japan. Like, was like, really? Well, partly partly because I was sick on the trip as well. Oh, that's right. It, you didn't, which yeah. uh, hampered things. That means you couldn't taste many things. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it, it, it was a rough go. Uh, mm. So so that fed into it. But I noticed that the more time away, the more I crave going back to Japan. <laughs> but it's not. It's not. It's the food. Like it's the food that makes me want to go back. I'll be honest, that's it for me too. <laughs> like it's, it's Chris and I, you know, getting off the train after flying there and going straight to that tiny hole in the wall and having sushi and it being the best sushi I've ever had within five minutes of stepping foot in Tokyo proper. Yeah, you know, it's, it, it was all of us, you know, eating Hokkaido. Uh, it was uh, us going to the. Um, to that the penis theme bar restaurant <laughs> with, with, with f- other friends from out of town. And it was like Chris showing me like the best French pastries I've ever had too. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. There's like a Joel Robichon in Shinjuku. Yeah. Like I've, I've been, I've been vegan for a year and a couple of months now. And, uh, that's off the table. If I go to Japan, like I know it is. I, I told my wife that, especially like when I was reading this, I'm just like, I want to eat this stuff so bad. <laughs> it's just gnawing away. I mean, it's so easy to just be vegan during a pandemic. Cause like, Oh, I'm not going to a restaurant, whatever. Like yeah. just make yeah. this stuff at home. But Oh my God. Like I am just going to just, I'm going to put my face into the ocean and bite a fish. I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> And this this has really driven that home to me. Like obviously, because we're hopefully at the tail end of the pandemic, and everyone's getting vaccinated at the time of this recording. Knock on wood. That light at the that light at the end of the tunnel, being like a restaurant in Tokyo, is just it's killing me. It's killing me. And reading, yeah. reading, I'm I'm mad at Chris for suggesting this book <laughs> at this point fair. in our lives. Very fair. Because it, it, it really, really hit me hard uh, how much I, I want to uh, go there. Mm. Yeah, I think this book does a great job of explaining partly why you have that reaction, which is like the attention to detail, the attention to uh, craftsmanship mm-hmm. in the food and mm-hmm. the presentation of the food. There was a, we ate at some very tiny place, I think, in Hokkaido, they had like a yeah. pumpkin soup that was really good. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. That's uh, the place I was talking the about. Yeah. Everything was like fantastic. Oh yeah, that, that this, little fr- that little Japanese French restaurant. 
Yeah. Yeah. It was it was like fusion, but it didn't feel like a fusion in America. Usually there's neon lights, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was the opposite of that. Like the polar opposite of that. Very comfortable, very roomy, uh, very homey. Yeah. That was wonderful. There was a husband and wife. It was a chef. Yeah. And wife was the lead server and she had a kimono. It was very cute mm-hmm. and hospitable. I was going to say, I'm sure part of that's like theater. It's they know that like tourists come for that. People expect like a certain experience, but also like the experience works. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's a really good time. And when they explain how like showing your appreciation for the food, for the experience you've just had is really as, as important as Mm -hmm. like preparing the food with the same passion. It's sort of like feeding on each other. Mm -hmm. So like if you, if you're passionate about it, they will come Mm -hmm. back to Japan. Yeah. I miss that attention to detail in Japan, you know, like when I get, mm-hmm. um, there's a Japanese department store in Hawaii called Shirokia and it has a food court and you can get bento boxes. It's meant to be like a food court, like in Japan, but, w- mm-hmm. but when I get a bento and I get a takeout bento from a department store in Japan, everything's immaculate. The, you know, <laughs> like the, like everything, vegetables are cut. It's beautifully arranged. There's a nice mix of color and texture and different stuff. The ones, yeah. in, the ones that I get in Hawaii, it just look like stuff shoveled into the little box containers. It's like yeah. this in America too. And I'm like, there's a part of me that cries inside. <laughs> there's, there's a real connection in this series with the fact that like, I, I keep thinking about the chopsticks chapter mm. where mm. the chopsticks maker says, you know, when they comment on how beautiful the chopsticks are, he's like, well, yeah, the chefs do their best to make the food. So it'd be rude yeah. of us not to do our best for the utensils for the food. Mm-hmm. And that is reflected in the level of craftsmanship in the art in this. Mm. Like yeah, it, it never, it never wavers. It's consistent. It's extremely well drawn, and the the details are always there. It doesn't fall off the way a lot of the books that we've read tend to under deadline pressure or, or anything. Because you know, it's part of the mandate of this title, mm. which is mm-hmm. do your best. You know, because others are doing their best as well. Mm-hmm. And it's rude not to, which yeah. uh, I've never done. I don't know about you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and these are real businesses. I mean, that the real, a lot of some of the stories, like Chris was saying about the eel restaurant, these are real businesses and real people who take pride in the craft mm-hmm. that they're, they're a spotlight in this manga. I mean, a good deal of it is fictional, but a good deal mm-hmm. of it is obviously the author and the artist or whatever doing the research meeting these people, mm. at, tasting this food, learning about these things. Yeah. It's very deep. When they go to the guy's wedding to his possibly inappropriately <laughs> aged wife, <laughs> um, <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> there's a bit where the main guy is like adjusting his tie. Like he wears his suit differently from the rest of the people. And it's because, you know, like he's like the horse race betting kind of slobby dude. Yeah. Yeah. Who's, I think he's like that because he's consciously rejecting the culture his father came mm. from, yeah. which is very like put together and formal. Like his father's always wearing uh, traditional clothes, but meanwhile he's like the loose tie guy, you know? Yeah, he's cool as hell. Yeah, the Fonz. <laughs> <laughs> I did like also in the etiquette chapter that they opened with him clipping his fingernails yeah! off the newspaper <laughs> off, like a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. never in a million years have I worked with anyone who has clipped their nails in the office. That just yeah. I thought it was going somewhere. I, like I really, there was such I, an yeah. emphasis on it. I was like, are someone going to tell him to quit? Like, come on. 
I How know, does this guy I, still I have felt a like job? it was a subtle thing. I felt like it was a subtle thing because it's like the whole chapter is about etiquette and he's doing the like yeah. least etiquette thing. <laughs> I mean, all he had to do was clean his do. ears too while he was at it. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. There's such a funny fiction surrounding all this that like I still don't know what his job is. It, yeah, I mean, I don't know what they're paying him to do. I don't even know how like, he got the job. Come up with the ultimate menu, but like, what is that? They don't. I've not seen yeah. him write a single article on Deadline. No, they're just <laughs> hanging out in the newsroom. Nobody's actually working. They're just bringing tea to each other and just like clipping their nails while standing by their desk. It's like how Elaine on Seinfeld was an editor at a publisher in New York. Yeah, and no books. That's it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that was very funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, even though, like, I kind of bounced off it, like, I, I get it very much. And I think I could recommend it to people effectively. Mm-hmm. Like, this would be good for your personality. Like, this is the book for you. But there are a lot of little things in the craft that helped me realize that it wasn't bad. It was just, like, not my bag. Yeah. And that's okay, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like we should be, we should call a lot more things bad and people are precious about it. But in this case, it's not bad. I'm the one yeah. that's having the trouble. No, you're not. Uh, <laughs> I think you make, you're raising some legitimate points. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I sure. will say people on Twitter were like all real worried that uh, the episode was going away last week with Yotsuba and we all came around at the end and they were like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, real, <laughs> real like, roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, this one, measured opinions, but I think people are going to be okay with that. Well, yeah. if you if you don't like Yotsuba, it's kind of like hating puppies. And that's why people were kind of like, <laughs> Lots of people hate puppies. My brother just got a puppy yeah. and it shat all over his arm uh, as you picked him up. So puppies not for everybody. Mm, yeah, apparently yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this has been a lovely discussion. I'm glad you all enjoyed it. Oishinbo is available in print and digital wherever books are are sold these days bookstores yeah bookstores yeah visit a bookstore and actually i did want to call out specifically because someone mentioned this like five weeks ago and i keep forgetting because i have so much fun with you guys libraries are still a thing even through the pandemic (laughs) libraries have books you could take them out you could go pick them up at at windows and libraries have digital reading and digital lending as well and i'm pretty sure oishinbo is on overdrive as well as whatever the other online comics thing is hoopla is the other one hoopla so yeah check your local library's digital lending program maybe you could be borrowing the books that we're talking about uh for free and then if you love them like deb and i did you could add them to your permanent connection and if you don't love them like david you could just click the return button on that one chip i'm not sure if you're ever going to physically own anything ever again so i'm leaving you out of this one there's that and also i like that you gave this real shout out to libraries after we mentioned people stealing from libraries earlier <laughs> oh yes i'm sorry should <laughs> <laughs> ah, happen i still want to point fingers just make sure you get permission before you take books from the library that's yeah, what right? we're saying have a card sign it out do the whole thing yeah. but yeah thanks to our libraries thanks to our librarian friends who are listening please Please rate and like us on your podcast. Yeah, apps. I can say yeah. no kidding. Like libraries or library eBooks were a big help for me last year during like the, the height of the pandemic, yeah. the ongoing mm. height of the pandemic. Like I probably read, I don't know, 180 issues of Hellblazer. Thanks to the, to the library. Oh, good idea. Just because I could oh, wow. get it on my iPad, like super easy. So highly yeah. recommended. Yeah, that's great. All right. We're going to go to the break. And when we come back, reader Q and A's.
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And we're back. Hopefully that was not too onerous a advertisement. It's so weird to listen to this podcast and hear ads inserted into it afterwards that we don't put there. (laughs) But it's there because y'all are actually listening. Uh, We wouldn't get ads if people weren't actually downloading it. And we just hit a milestone. We're pretty, we're pretty proud. Just hit 10,000 downloads uh, this week on the podcast. So thank you very much. Congratulations, you guys. You did an amazing job at listening to us. I appreciate it. I think we all do. Almost stuck that landing. (laughs) (laughs) I like that it was Yotsuba that put us over the top. That was one, that was one that I knew was going to do really well. And it's actually, yeah, it's gone up pretty significantly since then too. So yeah, people are listening and, 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 People are writing to us on on the Twitters, and people are commenting on the the, the the blog, the show notes, which is lovely. Yeah. On that note, actually, since we've started, we I, I think our first episode that we actually had a question from the audience only went live this week, went live yesterday. Send us questions. You can send us questions to mongasplaining at gmail.com, and we will... You'll answer your questions, or you could tweet them at us, or I guess you could direct message them on Instagram, but... So many really ways. Too many so, ways, yeah. really. There, we are not hard to find. Only good questions, though. No <laughs> Only good questions. questions. Yeah, no trash questions. No, no, none of that. This is more of a, more the the thought than a question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on. There's no. There's no anime shows. Anime cons. You guys must have burning questions to ask. On that note, I got a question this week. I got actually two sort of similar questions. Ben, who is Franz Ferdinand on Twitter, which is wow, good job grabbing that one. <laughs> asked can i just ask what the dopest moment in sports manga is and rainbow thoth who is erica thoth let's go with on twitter asked what is the quintessential sports manga and what sports manga should chip try Mm. what's the best sports manga what's the dopest moment in sports manga what sports manga might we recommend to chip in the future david this is your this is your wheelhouse man you gotta (laughs) gotta go first man a lot of pressure I would say the best sports manga depends entirely on when you were born and or started reading manga. Hmm. For some, it would be something like Ashita no Joe, which sort of blended sports with post-war squalor, kind of trying to get out of like a bad situation through sports. Yeah. Or Hajime no Ippo, which is about boxing and kind of being such a good boy who loves your mom so much, you accidentally build the perfect body for a boxer and become <laughs> kind of a kind-hearted Mike Tyson. Wait, I, I don't understand the it's leap great. there. <laughs> so his family owns a fishing boat and because he worked on it so often as a kid his core is incredibly strong and ah. your core is really important in boxing so he's kind of like a stocky guy yeah it just works out that way that he becomes kind of a particularly suited to boxing 
<laughs> okay. Also, there's 130 volumes of that. It's great. In Tokyo, remember? Yeah, that's the, oh, that's oh, the, yeah. the boxing manga we saw oh, the yeah. exhibit with. Oh, that's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. After that, Slam Dunk for nine for 80s babies who were reading in the 90s it was it made basketball popular in japan it was such like a big wow. deal mm. and it was written and drawn by a guy who was like a capital a artiste mm. he since put out several art books of his own work and an art book of him studying a spanish artist which was published in english it's super good uh takahiko yeah. inoue he went on to do real which is more modern about wheelchair basketball and then i think for modern like manga, Haikyuu's the bar. Like you, Haikyuu's probably the best. It had an amazing ending, amazing beginning. There are so many great moments. Wonderful characters and wonderful character development. Yeah, really great characterization. Sorry, which one is that? It's about volleyball. A guy who's short for his age practices jumping, essentially, so that he can get <laughs> over the net. And yet again, like him kind of doing this thing with childish focus makes him really good at his sport. It's like the combination of passion and intensity. Yeah. And what all these have in common are like really strong core characters who are kind of good, but a little bit off the beaten path. Yeah. Like uh, Ipo's a big nerd. Uh, Joe from Ashita no Joe, uh, he grew up poor. He's an orphan. Uh, Hanamichi's a delinquent. And um, the guy from Haikyuu is a much more pure character, but he's still kind of, he's a huge dork, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> still waiting to grow into his personality. So I would say the dopest moment in any sports manga is sort of the same in all of them. It's when like that main character sort of finds the strength to do the thing that they're best at, whether it's Ippo doing the Dempsey role, um, Sakuragi and Slam Dunk finally dunking or missing a dunk, which was another great scene. Mm. It's like the moment when the underdog overcomes. Haikyuu has a great one that I'll send to Chris for the show notes. <laughs> Please do. Which one is when Tsukishima finally starts to love? Oh, yeah. Tsukishima, great character. Love glasses characters in manga. They're great for obvious reasons. <laughs> There's just times when like someone finds their purpose. And in sports manga, it's done in such like an exciting, visceral way. Mm. You know, it's like Spider-Man shrugging off like the hunk of metal, but in competition, you know? Yeah, yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. And I think for what I would recommend to Chip, it would probably be either real for the drama by Inoue or Haikyuu for like the sheer sports love of the sport. Because mm. I didn't know anything about volleyball before I read Haikyuu. Yeah. And after, you know, I was like talking to uh, Kim Huang from TCAF on the train in Japan about it, about how good it is and how much it owes to prior sports manga. So I think it'll either make you love the genre or show you that it's not really for you. I do mm. like I do like the underdog kind of stories. Yeah, so, it's. Yeah. I've cried to several sports manga. Like it's such an easy like win button for me. Yeah. Deb, what is what is your pick? Well, I love Haikyuu. Like bottom to top, beginning to end, I love Haikyuu. Um, I I've watched the anime <laughs> so many times. I like I can almost tell you all the lines. It's kind of like that and Yuri mm -hmm. on Ice, are the two anime things that kept me going through oh. the Trump years because they were so positive and uplifting and exciting and dramatic and fun mm -hmm. um like what one thing i love about sports manga is that ultimately it's not about good versus evil it's about you versus yourself and your 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 personal limitations and it's the same way feeling you get like i'm not a big sports person i i get espn through hulu because it came with it <laughs> <laughs> but you know i've watched the olympics because you just love this human drama of people trying their best 
you know, c- going up against their limits mm-hmm. and trying to do be do do more than they think they can. And with sports manga, what's great about it is mm. there's a teamwork element to it, right? There's the element of where you and you you person who sometimes is a loner learns to work with other people. Um, the, mm-hmm. the sports manga, I mean, other than Haikyuu, which is, I think is my favorite, but I love Giant Killing. Uh, Giant Killing is a soccer manga. Oh, the soccer manga, What I love yeah. about it is that it has all the things you love about sports manga, but it's grown-ups. It's guys um, who are <laughs> in a pro soccer team, in this down-and-out pro soccer team in um, Asakusa, in this, this old part of Tokyo. So they're kind of a rough-and-tumble, kind of like mm. Bad News Bears kind of team. The same elements of sportsmanship and drama and going up against rival teams. But instead of it being in high school, it's about grown men and grown men dealing with feelings of like, I'm getting older. How much longer can I play? You know, like how long, how long is my pro career going to last coaches and you know, how they, how they manage people and their philosophy of being a manager of of these people and trying to get the best out of them. So I find it to be a very grown up Mm -hmm. take on sports that I, I really respect. Yeah, I, I like those ones. I like those ones. One, yeah. of, my, one of my favorite movies was Slapshot. Yes, exactly. Is there good hockey manga? Yes, but it is not translated. It's by the guy that did uh, Golden Kamui, actually. What? Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> actually, that kind of makes perfect sense. Damn. Well, wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't um, the success of Check Please like help bring hockey manga over here? It's not. It's not up to me, <laughs> unfortunately. All right. I have one last anecdote to kind of bolster Deb's point. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. About it being a very mature thing, real by Inoue. It's the cast is it's mostly men, mm-hmm. but it goes from teen to older guys. So you see the younger guys who are like, oh, like I can't get girlfriends now, blah blah blah. Like you know, I can't use my legs the way I want to. My body doesn't work how I want it to. And the older men are like, I've lived my life trying to do one thing and be good at one thing, and I just want to do that one last time. One of the people, it's sort of set, some volumes are set in a rehabilitation center. Mm-hmm. And one of the characters is an old wrestler who wants one last match. And his last match, incredible. Like, it is like, I would watch a movie about this match. And it's very internal. Like, there's people in the audience who are kind of providing commentary for you. But it feels like, you know, you get the older you get, the more you're like, I want to leave some kind of mark. I want to know I had an effect. And you mm-hmm. get to see someone making that effect and actually kind of seeing that effect reflected back at him you know yeah it's really heartwarming i cried yeah that sounds like a, that sounds like a, a tearjerker i mean sports book is my favorite yeah. one of my favorite genres and which is stupid considering how much i don't like sports like actual <laughs> televised sports mm. i like like uh, like yeah. cross game i love my mitsuru adashi but mm. i don't necessarily would recommend that for a new manga reader or cross game is my favorite airy. sports manga is it yeah it's about baseball it's really good Incredible yeah, drawings, I think. Hmm. We should actually get to that on the show at some point. So it's yeah, it's drawn by Mitsuru Odachi, who's the like the senpai, the like the the dude who uh Rumiko Takahashi is like the junior and he's the senior kind of kind of relationship. Okay. And it's it's his like second most, maybe third most, maybe now, popular series about baseball. Uh, he did one called Touch, which is considered to be like the greatest baseball manga of all time. And he's just so fucking good at drawing. He's so good at drawing <laughs> and he's so good at paneling and setting the scene like all it's about high school baseball and trying to get to like the high school baseball championships, which is at Koshin Stadium, which is huge in Japan. Like it, it I cannot over it's as big as 
any professional sporting event is this high school it's baseball like, it's, event. They watch it as I think it probably is bigger than the World Series there, right? Oh yeah, yeah, it's way bigger it's than the career American building World Series. Hmm. So it's about this team trying to get there, and but it's not really about that. It's about something devastating happening in the first book uh, in the first volume, and people trying to put their lives together, being fourteen or whatever after that and baseball as a way to sort of do that and sort of honor honor that and it's the the way the character the way the author draws time Mm. through little beautiful transitional moments between scenes i've never seen anything like it in manga it's like the platonic ideal of what mcleod's talking about in with like moment to moment transitions and understanding comics it's like these ideas of like like you're on the field it's you could you see the sun overhead like the like there's a water you know drop of water drips out of the faucet that's attached to the school and all this you know blade of grass in the wind like and you think oh this sounds pretentious as hell christopher no i swear to god it's it's like cross game is is so good that it and it just you just devour it and it's like seven yeah. big volumes too so yeah i would totally that's my favorite but the dopest sports moment is in baki the grappler <laughs> baki the grappler is like an underground arena fighting manga baki is like a fighter who's like the greatest fighter except for his dad who's like an even greater fighter but like everyone in this underground you know criminal run fighting world not not good people very bad people doing very bad on panel things it is shocking and not appropriate however there's a fight that's happening between baki and a dude and it's the time slows down to nothing like time slows down to a a second so you can get baki's internal monologue and he's like they're they're both in the air they both got their fists raised and like their kicks and they're both about to like hit each other and time stops and baki's like Oh no, he, I thought he was going to do an uppercut, but he's actually going to do a jab and it's going to connect with me. And this is like a panel. And then the next one, I was like, I don't have enough time to get away. He's only like three inches from my face. And you're like, like this, these pages are happening in like, mill, like every panel is a millisecond. Like it's, it's, I've never seen anything like it. And it's all this, like what's going through his head. And he's like, the only thing I can do is to use the force of my crazy neck muscles to move and my head. Then is some crazy faster, neck muscles on this character. <laughs> faster than I can punch. And if I slam my face super fast into this guy's fist, instead of taking the punch, I'll actually redirect the flow of energy. And then he does, and he shatters the guy's hand on his face. He uses his face as a weapon to shatter the guy's hand after like seven pages of trying to figure out like the math this of the not sc- dodging. Notes, man. It is oh, so good. Wow. Uh, Raijin used to, when it was, it was a magazine in the, in the 90s that used, to, that used to have this. And I didn't even really like that series, but I was reading that going, this is fucking badass. Like, and there's all kinds of shit in that yeah. series that's like yeah, that. And Baki's, that Baki's now on uh, Comicsology. It's a digital only. Movie. Oh, is it? There you go. I'll see if I can. It's I'll see track it down. And it's on Netflix. Yeah. Oh shit! There's an anime. The Comicsology right? series and Netflix series adapt the same mm-hmm. work. That's not even like a top ten wildest thing in Baki. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it's in the first or second volume, and I was just like, "This is fucking mental!" Like, I can't oh. believe this is happening. Ah. So yeah, that's that dude... the guy who swallowed a grenade as part of his fighting style, <laughs> so he can spit it out during a fight to gain the advantage. Oh I'm going to use this as a segue to our next to the next book we're reading. So Keisuke Itagaki is the guy who created Baki. His daughter mm-hmm. is Paru Itagaki, who did Beastars. 
Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's our next read. <laughs> I love comics families because they both draw weird. They do draw but weird. not the same kind of weird. It's kind of cool. <sighs> Sexy, yeah. hyperviolent Zootopia. B stars coming next week. Speaking of which, actually, it's time for us to choose a book again. Uh, I know it seems like it was just yesterday when we chose three new books, but it is, in Mm -hmm. fact, time for our next round of recommendations. Now, as you're aware, gentle reader, uh, we've decided that we're actually going to just pick a book that Chip is going to read. We're not going to let him choose, but we will let him choose the order in which he decides to read them. You you all got me so excited about these sports manga and... (laughs) <laughs> are we not gonna just do those i think no. that later we should do three weeks of sports manga in a row but we can yeah. discuss that oh that's a good idea okay yeah yeah but but like sports that. manga has a problem i want to talk about this in like a maybe this will be in the patreon exclusive <laughs> podcast <laughs> that we do but it is not nice to recommend a seven volume baseball manga to chip or like a 30 volume what is it 26 <laughs> volumes of haikyuu of volleyball manga you can like, just enjoy one volume of haikyuu and get the flavor yeah it's okay come on we hit ten thousand downloads we're clearly <laughs> raking in money and i can just <laughs> drop a hundred bucks on seven <laughs> volumes of haikyuu, you could just get the shonen jump app and you could just binge read that sucker oh yeah i know we're not supposed to like whatever but like Damn, the Shonen Jump app is literally the best deal in comics. It's $1.99 a month for unlimited Shonen Jump manga. Uh, uh, 100 produce. chapters a day. 100 chapters. A, well, yeah. See if you can get to 100 oh, no. chapters or not. <laughs> Only 2,000 pages a day. I, I did that with Demon wow. Slayer, by the way. <laughs> I wow. actually hit that. Way to go. <laughs> you do. I think if you can get the vibe from a first volume of, show, of sports manga. And I think that especially for kind of a conversation like this, it's sort of fun to talk about it without them knowing the great stuff that happens later, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we can always decide too. like, if you recommend a sports manga, but you're like, yeah, but you really need to get to the point where he actually makes a dunk. Yeah. <laughs> that's volume three. Then we'll do three volumes of the thing. Right. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Since David, I made you go for last or first last time. Deb, what would you like your next manga that chip uh, that we read for the podcast? What would you, what would you like to choose? Oh, this is so hard. I almost feel like, you know, wanting to tell the waiter to go ask somebody else, take someone else's order first. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel guilty because, like I said, after I recommended Panorama Island, I realized that um, that would be challenging for you to get um, because it's a print only book. And I apologize for that. Um, Apology accepted. I'm I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I've 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 got it on order. It's coming. I'm going to ask Chris this. We've been debating this a little bit on the back end, like which one oh, to go with next. Secret conversations. But I was debating between Weekly Girls Nozaki-kun oh. and BL Metamorphosis. Oh, oh man. Those are both good. <laughs> Your pick. Oh. What do you think? Because I thought B- BL Metamorphosis would be a fun way to introduce BL. which we you're, making, you're making Chris pick your pick? Well, okay. Well, okay. So I'll make a pick. We'll do Weekly Girls Nozaki Kun because we haven't done anything about shoujo manga, and mm-hmm. Weekly Girls Nozaki Kun is incredibly funny way to introduce shoujo manga. Right. Yeah, it's basically about a guy, a kind of clueless guy in high school, and he has a secret life and a secret part-time job. He draws girls' romance comics. Very good. So um, <laughs> he. So he, there's this girl at high school who has a big crush on him. 
And so she says, oh, you know, like she's been wanting to go up, to, you know, wanted to tell him, tell him how much she likes him. Then he says, oh, okay, you know, I'll give you what you want. And she's like, ooh, and she's like, she's beyond thrilled. Like, oh, he likes me back? And he gives her an autograph. He gives her an <laughs> autograph of his pen name from Shoujo Manga. He says, oh, you've, you figured it out. I'm a Shoujo Manga creator. And she's like, what? <laughs> and the way, then the way that it, it, it progresses is that she becomes his assistant and helps him draw the manga. So it becomes like this behind the scenes look at what it takes to make manga. But also too, it's this goofy romantic comedy because he's so clueless and she's yeah. so in love with him. <laughs> and then there's, then they introduce more characters that are equally clueless about romance, but in different and hilarious ways. Perfect. Yeah. It's like Seinfeld in a way because it becomes this ensemble comedy that just like introduces these crazy, lovable characters. I don't know. It's 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 it was an anime. It's super funny. Um, I think it'd be a nice All introduction right. for you for one to shoujo manga and to um, a very f- manga about making manga. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, good job, Deb, and also nice job putting in our second Seinfeld reference in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great choice. I love that series. Yeah, David, what do you got? I'm going to yet again drown in compromise and recommend a book for my day job. <laughs> it's called Yona of the Dawn. It is a shoujo manga written and drawn by Mizuho Kusanagi. And essentially, it's set in like a fictional country, very um, sort of a pan-Asian culture approach. And there's a beautiful princess. She's got a dad who's like, oh, I love you, baby girl. You can have the perfect life, whatever you want. Her life is great. She's got like a hot prince love interest who lives in the castle from some other kingdom. And things are going great. He likes her. She likes him. Then he's like, by the way, I have to kill your dad and take over your kingdom. Mm, And she's like, ah, crap. So she has to go on the run <laughs> and ends up building a harem of a bunch of hot dudes with different martial arts powers to go back and take back her kingdom. <laughs> wow. Super fun. It sounds good. It's a really good adventure story. And I don't know, like it, it just really hit the spot. Mm. All right. Tremendously like popular. It. Yeah, that's that's a great series. And mm-hmm. Chris? I'm going to do something we've never done on the podcast before. And I'm going to recommend a book for us all to read that I haven't read before. Uh, what it is a book called even though we're adults and we talked about it a little bit last week Uh, on the podcast and it's about ayano an elementary school teacher in her 30s stops by a bar one night and meets another woman named akari sparks fly as the two chat before the night is over ayano even goes in for a kiss akari is intrigued but confused, especially when she discovers that Ayano has a husband. Both Ayano and Akari are about to find out that love doesn't get any easier, even as you grow older. So this is the newest manga by a mangaka I like a lot. Uh, her name is oh. Takeko Shimura. Oh, I love uh, Shimura Sensei did Wandering Sun, which is actually a really important uh, trans manga, which is unfortunately out of print right now uh, or in a weird printing limbo. It came out from hmm. Fanographics. It is not quite in print, but not. But the anyway, long story short, can't do Wandering Sun. Uh, Shimura Sensei did another series that Viz released called Sweet Blue Flowers. And I appreciate that series, but I don't like it. 
I read the first, I read it, I think I read all of it in the end, but I read the first three for sure. And I was just like, I get where this is going and this is really well-crafted manga and I don't care. Like, I don't care to finish it. <laughs> However, this one, I actually came up in a news feed as like, Shimura Sensei starts new manga. It's going to be a big deal, blah, blah, blah. And I was excited about it from before it even came out. So now that it's out, Jocelyn translated it. So okay. I feel like she picks good projects. So I think we're okay. I think she even talked about it on her blog, which is called Brain Versus Book. Well, she, she talked about it when we... when we Yeah, when we hung out in the summertime. Yeah. yeah. We may have been illegally drinking park beers 12 feet apart per COVID, <laughs> per COVID rules. Bring that part up. All right. <laughs> You're a bad boy. You're right, Daredevil. Um, That's true. A bit of a bad boy. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Chris. Taxes. So, yeah, I actually really like this mangaka. Or I really respect her abilities as a mangaka. And this is finally like, not finally, but I think that this subject matter of like, a, you know, an LGBTQ person in there. These worries, uh, whatever. Um, meeting someone who's unavailable, you know, kind of hits home. I think that that's yeah. a really interesting idea, and I really want to read this. And I was like, let's maybe let's all read it together. I think that would be a cool thing to do because you know we haven't done that yet. All right, we haven't. I haven't picked an, something based just on the author. I've only picked it based on the, uh, the the title I've read. So yeah, that that's my pick. So even though we're adults, so Chip, your order, your picks are Yona of the Dawn, fantasy shoujo adventure, Weekly Girls Nozaki Kun, uh, shoujo manga about making shoujo manga, and even though we're adults, a Jose LGBTQ manga. What right. order would you well, like to do them in? I feel like I want to do even though we're adults first. Okay. Because I am kind of craving something uh, adult. <laughs> mm. Oh. Not you know, a, a adult in the the sense that like like I keep saying like a lot of these feel like they're still kind of written for, or at least translated for a younger audience. Mm, um, you just want mature content. I totally get it. I'll just put it in my veins. The more mature, the better. <laughs> Senior citizen manga. That's what I need. You'll get that next. Um, <laughs> and also, just because I've I've heard about it for so long, because we heard about it from Jocelyn, and I would like to, you know, um, tackle something that she's translated. So we got the two shoujo. Is that what we we call this genre? No, this yeah. So this yeah. Even though we're adults, is Jose. That's for older. No, no, women. I'm done with that. I'm talking yeah, about so shoujo. Uh, yeah, Gavin David's picks. Girls um, comics. I I I like the romance manga twist in uh, yeah. Deb's Deb's pick. So I think that's gonna be second. David, sorry, you came in third this time, man. Yeah, I can live with it. Came in third. I'm looking forward to reading Yona of the Dawn. I haven't read it yet. There's, there's oh, no shame coming in third. Chris has come in third at least two times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it time. was due because I beat Chris so often on earlier episodes. Of this <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I need to balance it out just for his ego. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate it. It's kind of nice that we're 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 kind of doing a a, a trio of female centric stories. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. I briefly thought about recommending mm-hmm. Beal Metamorphosis anyway. Okay. Like uh, since you chose the other one, but then I decided better stay the course. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm I I want an excuse to read Beyond Metamorphosis too. Volume four just came we can out. Do, we can do that. We have the power to do that after this. We got to start going twice a week, guys. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I think that brings us to the end of the podcast. All right. I'd like to thank you all very much for listening. Thanks, guys, for having a great conversation about Aishinbo. And yeah, we will be back next week. Our pick is B-Stars. So we'll see you then.
This has been Mangasplaining, episode number 12, Oishinbo. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be discussing the manga Beastars, volume one. Want to pick up a copy? Consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop. You can find one near you at comicshoplocator.com. You can also follow along with our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com. Thanks to DADS for their musical accompaniment this episode. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.